Hi everyone, welcome to episode seven of Coffee with the Queen. We hope you're all safe and finding some peace in this self-distancing. So I'm Nicole. And I'm Cindy. And we are happy that it's springtime. So I'm not going to lie to you, this is one of my favorite seasons. And today, Cindy and I are going to talk about what I like to consider the spring coffees. So those with bright berry and fruit tones. While I love these light fruity floral coffees all year round, they tend to be best in the spring, primarily because it's when most of the year's first crops arrive for roasting, which is always exciting for us as roasters. And secondly, because these coffees tend to pair best with foods that are naturally available during the spring. So namely edible flowers, berries, fruits, grapes, or anything made with a combination of or individually from these elements. After our bean banter, Cindy is going to take this one step further and share some of her wonderfully refreshing spring drinks. After listening, if you're interested in learning more about anything mentioned in today's podcast, please visit our blog, coffeewiththequeen.com, or our podcast site, coffeewiththequeen.podbean.com. We'll have links to more in-depth entries on both sites. So the coffee groups we're discussing today are generally described as bright, fruity, whiny, floral, delicate, and crisp. My guess is most of you have seen these terms in countless coffee descriptions, but may not know what they mean, or you're seeing them frequently in certain seasons, like right now, and are wondering why they appear so frequently. Today, we're going to tell you what they mean and which coffee-producing countries are likely to produce crops with these light, lovely spring tones. Very often, the words bright, fruity, whiny, floral, delicate, and crisp are thrown into coffee descriptions to describe a coffee's upper notes, also known as acidity. And this can create a bit of confusion between coffees that are really dominated by these qualities, such as the coffees we're going to discuss today, and those that just have a touch of it. It's a bit like describing the difference between eating a chocolate cake and a lemon cake with a little bit of chocolate drizzle. So before we're jumping into the coffees, I'm going to quickly cover our definitions uh, for the terms that we'll be discussing today. Most coffee companies use standard definitions, but there can be some nuanced differences, so probably best to just make sure we're all on the same page, or I could be sending you completely in the wrong direction. <laughs> When we use the term bright, we're talking about a coffee's acidity level, which is most often identifiable by the coffee's clothes and mouthfeel. So the clothes is really the aftertaste and the mouthfeel is how it feels on your tongue. So bright coffees, which tend to be described as citric, highly acidic and vibrant, produce a lingering tingling sweetness that may feel like a dry, sharp or pleasantly tart feeling in your mouth. The sweetness is similar to what you may experience after eating an orange, drinking a lemon-flavored beverage, or sipping on a delicate red wine. It has that clean, full, but lifted feeling in your mouth and on your tongue. And by lifted, I mean that it tends to rise and rest on the top and back of your mouth versus on the bottom of your mouth where heavier and spicier tones tend to settle. Yeah, to me, it's like a zap of lightness. It's almost like a tingle on the tongue. I feel no heaviness when I drink a bright coffee. Yeah, yeah, that's a great way to say it. Definitely, it's almost like that sense of airiness, like it's just not there. And I also get clean a lot. So when we use the terms floral, berry, grape, or fruit toned, we're talking about a coffee's flavor notes. So florals create delicate floral notes and soft floral aromatics in a coffee, such as rose, elderflower, eucalyptus, and lavender. Berry tones are often described as a soft sweetness and taste and aroma, such as strawberry, raspberry, and blackberry. And berry notes tend to be very subtle and add just a touch of depth to lighter bodied coffees. They can also be a little bit tart and you can have flavor notes of cranberry and boysenberry. So grape notes, that's gentle tannin-like qualities found in red wines and tend to be described as whiny. But on a quick note here, berry tones can often be described as whiny as well, depending on the type of berry flavor that is being exhibited. So Kenya tends to be a great example of this. It's a berry toned coffee that has a really strong whiny quality. And that's because it has these 
this beautiful array of upper bright acidic notes, but then a deep berry note, it just kind of adds some gravity to the coffee. So it has a deep blackberry that makes the coffee feel a little bit fuller and heavier than it actually is. And finally, fruit notes tend to be sweet and add a touch of almost juiciness to a coffee. These notes can be a bit tangy like a mango or subtly sweet like a cantaloupe. And again, this will have to do with the acidity levels and the elevation that's grown, but fruit encompasses all of this. So from the tangy mango to a really smooth, gentle, barely noticeable cantaloupe, which would probably be more on the lower notes, the mango would probably be on the upper notes again because it's got that crisp citrus-like quality. It's still important to point out that the coffee itself is not sweet in the way it is when sugar is added or fruity as if berries are put in it. It's more like a tone. Yeah, exactly. If you aren't really focusing on your coffee and you take a sip, you're not going to be like, mm, this tastes like strawberry or this tastes like grape. You really have to focus. You'll probably get it more from the aroma at first. It's very, very subtle notes. To be honest, most people aren't even really going to pick up on it. You might not know why you like a coffee or why you dislike a particular coffee. And it's probably got to do with these notes, but it might not be something you consciously acknowledge because the notes are so subtle. Yeah, people often hear that the flavor profile has mangoes or berries and they think that the coffee has been mixed with a flavor, but that's not what we're talking about here. You know, my mom actually tends to get very protective of this because for exactly your point, people tend to read a description and they're like, oh, I don't want you know raspberry in my coffee or mango or lemon. And really, most people, unless you are really trained or really focused on tasting your coffee, won't pick up on those notes. What you're going to get is that it has this clean feeling, like, you know, it's got the high acidity, so it's light and it's clean. Or this one has that clean feeling, but a little bit more depth on your tongue. And so it just adds a little bit more texture. For most people, these tones and these flavors are going to come across as a sensation in your mouth or they'll come across through smelling the coffee. There are no sweet citric or any other flavors that are in the coffee that you would say this is like a food flavor. Exactly. <laughs> it's just that people hear somebody say chocolate tones and they're like, I don't want to mix my chocolate with my coffee. That's not what we're talking about. For most people who want to get a good sense of these notes and flavors, I would actually suggest that they smell the coffee with their eyes closed first, because that's the best way to pick up on some of these flavor notes. Take a sip, see how it feels on your mouth, where it's reacting on your mouth. That's going to tell you which flavor tones are there. Let the coffee cool and then do it again. The strongest traces of, of any flavor notes in a coffee will come across as the coffee cools. So, But it will never be strong and overpowering. And it's definitely not an added in flavor. They're notes that are very inherent to the bean. Often, if I really want to get a sense of the notes in a coffee, I'll take two drastically different coffees and try them next to each other. Like I'll, I'll try an Indonesian coffee and then I'll try a very bright coffee. And I can really sense the differences, but I'm not tasting fruits or anything like that. But I'm getting a sense of the acidity versus that sort of thicker mouthfeel. Yeah, and the thicker mouthfeel tends to be more associated with chocolate and spice. So that's a great way to do it too. Is everyone's going to pick up on these, you know, the way you kind of introduce yourself to these flavor notes is going to be different. So for you, it's definitely, it sounds like it's much more tactile and how it kind of feels in your mouth. And for me, I get more from olfactory. It's subtle. <laughs> I guess the bottom line is it's subtle. Comparison with two drastically different coffees is a great way to get introduced. Tasting the coffee as it cools is another way to be able to kind of identify what's in a coffee. The colder coffees tend to exhibit more of the notes a little bit stronger. Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's another great way to try out these different tones is as the weather gets warmer to do it in an iced coffee. So yeah, iced coffee because it's cool. Definitely a great way to do it. Another way is to actually just try the coffees with different foods. 
part of the reasons we're talking about these coffees today is because they pair so well with desserts and foods, fruits that people tend to eat during the springtime because they'll be very complementary notes. So you might find that you say for a Kenyan, because you just use that example, you don't really like Kenyan in the winter, but as you start to eat more fruits and lighter foods, all of a sudden a Kenyan is really appealing. Whereas if you're having pancakes and a heavy dessert in the middle of winter, Kenyan just feels washed out. You're not getting anything from it because your food is so dominant. Those fairy tones can't really shine. Whereas if you're having something like a meringue dessert or anything light in, in spring-like, those paired with the coffee, the upper notes and the flavor notes of the coffee are really going to be able to shine more because they're not being overpowered by the food. So that would be another way to, to kind of get a sense of these coffees. But we have more of that actually on a tasting blog that we have. Yeah, so. great points though, great points. So now that we have the definitions, down, you may be wondering how coffee gets these flavor notes. And in short, they're born with them, mostly, although nurture does play a small role as well. So similar to the way a flower seeded from a singular source plant grown in different soils, like a hydrangea or rose, will change color depending on the soil content, coffee plants absorb and reflect the flavor notes from their soil. So I think this is going right to what you were talking about, Cindy. So coffee actually picks up notes from whatever it's grown next to. So for example, coffee grown next to a cocoa plant will have subtle notes of cocoa, whereas the coffee plant grown next to pepper plants in Indonesia is going to have more of a peppery tone. So growing elevation, processing, and roasting also impact a coffee's notes, with lighter, brighter notes often appearing in coffees grown at higher elevations, dry processed, and those roasted to a light or medium shade. Now onto the good part. Where do you find these lovely spring-perfect coffees? If you enjoy berry tone coffees, look to Africa. The high elevation Fruit and citrus-filled forests and rich soil produce wonderfully bright, crisp berry and grape tone coffees. If you enjoy a very crisp, clean berry wine coffee, you can only grow it with Kenyan. I'm really loving Kenyan right now. <laughs> I can tell. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's fantastic right now. For a slightly less intense coffee with a touch of floral, try an Ethiopian Yorkshire. So as you move down the coast of Africa, while much more technical than you need to know, but all of the source plants throughout Africa derive from an Ethiopian, as we move down the coast, the elevation changes and the, the climate changes, so the nature of the coffee bean changes. So as we move from, say, Ethiopia down towards Tanzania and Zimbabwe, the coffees are going to be generally less acidic, they'll still have really nice acidity, and they'll exhibit a subtle berry tone with touches of fruit and floral notes. One of the primary ways that you can pick up on these differences is in mouthfeel. So as you move down the coast from the citrus-dominated coffees, in the north and on the west, um, down to the floral-toned coffees, you'll feel a slightly heavier mouthfeel when you're drinking the coffee due to the reduction in highly citric upper notes. So if you prefer something sweeter, you want to go west towards Burundi and Rwanda. Beans from both countries have really nice acidity, good mouthfeel, and are a little sweeter with more prominent sweet berry notes. Roast will also have a big impact on the dominant notes in a coffee. So if you enjoy a truly bright crisp cup, look for a light or medium roast coffee as the acidity is burned off during the roasting process. Alternatively, if you prefer a coffee with a slightly heavier mouthfeel but still want those bright light base notes for a full city roast or a Vienna roasted African. So if you prefer more fruit and floral tones and berry tones, it's best to turn your eyes towards Central American coffees. I do feel a little bit like a game show host here. I'm like, hello, let me present Africans, let me present Centrals. But um, <laughs> Central American coffees are generally balanced, bright, and very clean with fruit and other soft, sweet notes, such as honey. The highest acidity Centrals are often found in Guatemala and El Salvador. Guatemalan coffee 
generally has moderate high acidity and very gentle berry and citrus tones. Because of the great balance in flavors and acidity, Guatemalans are often described as producing a very balanced cup. We move east towards El Salvador. Here beans tend to have slightly higher acidity with an amazing array of smooth, subtly sweet citrus notes. This wonderful brightness and harmony of acidity and tones often leads to Salvador's being described as clean. Continuing on to Nicaragua, Nicaraguan beans generally have moderate acidity and deep berry and fruit notes. These deeper notes tend to really shine with a slightly darker roast, so a yeah. full city roast or a Vienna roast. I love dark roasted Nicaraguan coffees. Yeah, it's just great. Those berry notes, they really change depending on the roast and the nature, their flavor, I guess, to begin with. But they can be really almost velvety yeah. on your tongue if they're roasted a little bit darker and yet still maintain those nice citrus uppers. This uh, trait of nice berry notes with a heavier mouthfeel continues as we continue to move on towards Costa Rica and Panama. Costa Rican and Panamanian coffees tend to have moderate acidity and a slightly heavier mouthfeel than other Centrals and Africans, and both boast an array of beautiful deep berry and mild citrus notes atop a nice, like almost decadent chocolate base. While it may not sound like it from these descriptions, there are some key differences between Africans and Centrals. Africans tend to be very crisp with very pronounced flavor notes, almost always showing a slightly whiny base, and they tend to have a distinct tingling feeling on the tongue. Centrals, on the other hand, tend to be a little smoother and often have a gentle nut undertone. Africans also tend to be very complex, meaning that the bean possesses a really wide array of flavor notes and tones in each cup, and it'll change while you're sipping the coffee, whereas centrals tend to be very balanced and clean. Coffees from either group are wonderful during the spring and summer months. Their lighter tones and moderate mouthfeels are really refreshing, and they pair wonderfully with your fruit-flavored and grape-flavored desserts. So once you've identified, or you may already know, your preferred coffee palette and acidity level, it's easy to zone in on a regional preference. And from there, we encourage you to explore how different roasts change the texture and flavor profile of the coffee. Many people who prefer heavier coffees tend to shy away from Centrals and Africans because they've only ever had them light or medium roasted, and they just find that citric element to be too much, or they'll say the coffee tastes like water because it doesn't have that mouthfeel. So if you are in that group of people and are open to exploring Centrals or Africans or would like to try slightly lighter coffee, encourage you to try a central or African roasted to a Vienna shade. So like for us, it's our Nicaraguan and our Costa Rican, because you'll get right. upper clean notes, but you'll still have that deep berry tone and mouthfeel that you probably enjoy. Right. I'm a dark coffee drinker who really enjoys Africans and centrals. Yes. It's so complex. So I guess what we've said today is coffees from particular regions and countries will have really dominant characteristics, but roast and processing can really alter those characteristics. So once you start moving into a darker rose profile, you get to play with the mouthfeel and the texture a little. It's very rare that you would come across a dark rose that you would say has a light mouthfeel because it's just not an aspect of the roast. It's good to explore, but if you are someone who has shied away from Africans and Centrals because you don't like that light mouthfeel and it tastes like water to you, definitely try one that's a little bit darker roasted because you might be pleasantly surprised. Right. I mean, I think I like a full body mouthfeel, but I don't like that pungent. Like I'm not a Sumatran fan per se. In a blend, I'm okay with it, but I prefer a clean or dark roast. Yeah, and I, and I tend to be more of a medium full city drinker. So I actually like probably these coffees for a different reason, which is they are a little bit heavier for me. If I get like a Nicaraguan or Costa Rican, it's actually a little heavier for me. So it's great when I'm having a dessert because my natural tendency is to to gravitate towards the full city and medium roast. I love the high acidity. Yeah, generally there's something for everybody and you shouldn't be afraid to experiment and try. Yeah.
Absolutely. And so that wraps up the main part of today's podcast. For more information on anything we discussed today, or for regional coffee profiles, please visit our blog, coffeewiththequeen.com, or our podcast site, coffeewiththequeen.podbean.com. Now on to our fun bit. Cindy's going to walk us through some of her favorite delightfully springy coffee creations. Oh, thanks, Nicole. So all of this talk about fruity notes is giving me spring fever. And if you are like me, the minute that first warm spring breeze hits you in the face, the craving for fresh fruits begins. So today, in honor of the coming spring, I am speaking about three of my favorite ways to combine fruit in coffee, specifically coffee with orange, coffee with banana, and coffee with strawberries. So first up is orange. This recipe is similar to many holiday spiced coffee recipes, but it's delicious at any time of the year. It combines cinnamon, cardamom, ginger, nutmeg, and orange, all added to your ground coffee prior to brewing. And once brewed, well, you have to taste it to believe it. The spices in the coffee magically blend to create a truly one-of-a-kind drink. So you may ask, what kind of coffee should I pair with these spices? Well, when pairing a coffee with fruit, there are two typical paths to follow. You either use a coffee that will intensify the fruit flavor, uh, sort of like what Nicole and I were talking about earlier. It's one that has similar flavors grown right into the beans themselves. Or alternatively, you could choose a complementary coffee, one that goes well with the fruit flavors that are in the recipe. For this recipe, my choice is a Jürgenchef. Having natural cinnamon and subtle citrus tones, this coffee harmoniously blends with the spices mixed into the grounds pre-brew. This coffee will never overwhelm the flavors, but it will rather blend harmoniously with them. My next drink is a sweet banana coffee. While I have always loved eating a banana with my coffee, I never considered having the banana in my coffee until I experimented with this recipe. While many coffees pair well with banana, today I am recommending a Burundi Kirimiro. The smooth chocolate and clove tones of these beans are a perfect complement to the sweet banana. Of course, if you want to go full on banana, you could try a flavored coffee, such as Maui Madness or Funky Monkey, which would highlight and intensify that banana flavor in a wonderful way. Any of these coffees would be a great choice for this recipe. And the last fruit coffee pair I'm presenting today is my strawberry surprise. This is a play on a classic affogato. Traditionally, an affogato consists of espresso poured over vanilla ice cream. Many variations of this recipe exist. My strawberry surprise combines brewed espresso and vanilla ice cream, but also features fresh strawberries and a homemade strawberry sauce. While an espresso blend pairs wonderfully with the strawberries and ice cream, you could also go with a flavored coffee and really punch up that strawberry flavor. The last time I made this, I used chocolate-covered strawberry coffee, and the dessert was a complete hit. It's simple to make, and it's oh so fresh. I highly recommend it for your next dinner party. That concludes my recipe section today. As always, I have included links to these and a few more fruit-flavored recipes on the podcast site coffeewiththequeen.podbean.com, or you can go directly to the blog, coffeewiththequeen.com. I thank you for listening, and should you try out any of these recipes, please leave comments on the blog or podcast site. We love the feedback. And with that, I will pass the mic back to Nicole. Thanks, Cindy. I have to say, I really do love the banana in the coffee. I was skeptical when you first presented this recipe, and it is delicious. So if anyone out there likes bananas and likes coffee, it's actually, it's a great recipe. It's a wonderful combination. 
Well, I would say since we started blogging, I started to make so many fruit sauces and simple syrups from the fresh ingredients. Mm -hmm. And the way they combine with coffees is really incredible, and especially African coffees, I have to say. Yeah, I know. Well, and then that, that's probably due to their complexity because they have all these notes that we don't, even as tasters, you don't really pick up on. I mean, like they could have like 200 flavor notes, right? And so we're not getting in the subtle ones. But when you add something to it, it might pick up on a, a note that is not present really in the cup as a dominant or even underlying note. Like one of my favorites, I'm not sure if you've done anything with it, is Ali grapefruit with, it's going to sound bizarre. I feel like some of you are going to go and start Googling this after if anyone's still listening at this point. Um, but if I have grapefruit with an African coffee, it tastes like chocolate in my mouth. If I have red grapefruit and an African coffee and I have the grapefruit in my mouth and I take a sip of coffee, I get this chocolate kick. I love it. To be fair, I started Googling it once and I was like, I wonder if I have some kind of mental thing. And I don't. I thought you want to Google it? Go for it. I would say that's fascinating because not only is it metabolically boosting, but what a great diet tip. So you get that chocolate that you're not allowed to eat. <laughs> I know. I love it. It's become my new thing is half a grapefruit or grapefruit with coffee after my lunch. Next time we're together, I'll try to make some sort of grapefruit syrup and see how you like it in one of my coffee drinks because I am okay. not a grapefruit lover. Yeah, it'll be interesting. And for some reason, you have a piece of grapefruit around. I don't know if anyone in your household likes it and it's just there and you decide to grab it if you have a cup of fresh coffee. It'll be interesting to see if you get this, or the same sensation in your mouth as I do. Yeah, I'll let you know. I'll get back to you on that one, Nicole. Okay. Well, guys, that concludes episode seven of Coffee with the Queen. Thank you for joining us. And again, links to everything we discussed today are available on our blog, coffeewiththequeen.com, and our podcast site, coffeewiththequeen.podbean.com. If you like this podcast, please let us know by giving us five stars on iTunes. And if you have feedback or topics you'd like discussed, we would love to hear about it. You can email us at infowiththequeenbean.com or leave a comment wherever you are listening to this podcast. And finally, to learn more about our coffees, please visit our website, thequeenbean.com. And one more quick note, for those of you trapped at home, we encourage you to check out our blog this month. Cindy's coming up with some great recipes if you need a coffee fix and aren't able to go to your coffee shop. And I'm going to try to do one on crafting with coffee. For those of you that have kids at home, you're getting a little bit restless. You can have a lot of fun with your leftover coffee and coffee grounds. Stay tuned, and we'll see you all next month. See you next time, guys. <laughs>